On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing 1989's Tango and Cash, starring Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. Okay, let's do it. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a bi-weekly movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Episodes available on cultcinemacavalcade.com and iTunes. Like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at CC Cavalcade. For questions, suggestions, and all inquiries, contact us via mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in LA. That's funny, I hear the same thing about you. Well, just stay off my case. What makes it your case? I've been on for three months and it's my case. <laughs> my guess that shows how stupid you are because I've been on it for about mm, half an hour now and here I am all caught up with you. Still off my case. Nice tie. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 47. This is Brandon. And as always with me is the tango to my cash, your co-hoster, Cullen. Better watch out for your sister because, uh... I'm coming for her. Today we are here to talk about the 1989 buddy action film Tango and Cash. Cullen, dig really deep into this summary, will you? Two cops are framed and must clear their names. Tango and Cash is directed by Andre Kocholowski and Albert Magnoli, starring Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Terry Hatcher, Jack Palance, Brian James, James Hong, Louis Arquette, Clint Howard, and Robert Zadar! As always, up top, thanks for honing in to our little amateur hour here we call Cult Cinema Cavalcade. We appreciate it and your feedback. Feedback, which, Colin, I think we really do take seriously. And, you know, could be, you know, informing us on things as we look ahead to year three. This could guide us as to where we go with some of the movies. So think some about of the that. Movies, other things we do, you never know. We're always building the brand. Building the brand. Speaking of feedback, we got an email. Colin? This email comes from Jacob. He writes, Your episode on The Creature Walks Among Us has me wondering, how would you describe the current state of the universal monsters? Recent entries like Dracula Untold are disappointing, and I am skeptical whether Tom Cruise's The Mummy will do well enough to avoid another course correction. The problem is, they're trying to turn the monsters into $100 million CGI superhero spectacles. Instead, they should stick to budgets under $25 million dollars and rely on practical effects and hard R ratings to be low risk but stand out in the market. Well, I for one am I'm actually looking really forward to the Tom Cruise Mummy movie. I I think I don't think you're ever going to see a return to like small budget no. um, the Universal monster. They're brand names and highly recognizable. And the thing is, like we these guys are so most of them are literary in origin that come from like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them every done every which way. They, I mean, they've been around for so long. Some haven't, but a lot, you know, the biggies have. And 
I don't mind seeing them taken a new way because I always have the old way, which I, I like the old black and white films, and those are what yeah. they are. But, I mean, to try to do those, you can't do those again because audiences are more sophisticated nowadays, and they demand more, like, realism from things. They demand it's, – it's just a different thing. You can't get away with what you did then with such simplicity. It needs to be more than just someone spooky walking around. It and, needs to actually be exciting and a little maybe scary. Right. Because I don't know if, like – this new mummy is going to be scary. I don't it's, think it will be, but it will be. It'll be fun. I I, I hope it will be fun. Yeah. It's horror action, so there there will be some yeah. j- jumps and some things. But the more the like, thrills come the, from like chases and yeah. And, I remember the, the the part in the trailer where uh, the mummy is all chained up and then she climbs up the chain upside down. It's creepy. Yeah, that's, that's something. It's got potential. Honestly, I I really like the first two mummies with the uh, Brandon Fraser. Yeah, yeah. I thought those were f- flipping fantastic. They're fun. And if it could just get close to me feeling that way, I'd be I'd be very happy, and I think they'd be on a, a great path. Which I think and, people you know, back in '99 had the same complaint going into that first Mummy movie was like, this isn't the this isn't what the Mummy's about. And then they were like, oh, this is really fun. Well, yeah, because the original Mummy movies, I'm not gonna say that they were boring, but I think that the one with Brendan Fraser, at least especially that first one. I think you'd be able to rewatch that more times. Yeah, they're, it's going to keep your attention it's, a lot better. It's like it's the same thing. Like uh, those mummy movies were the original, like kind of like Indiana Jones adventures. Were, those are some of the things that, that Indiana Jones cribbed from, and not, not the soul thing. And then, mm-hmm. and then the Fraser ones was, uh, you know, kind of an uh, it was an update on those adventures. And you got it. You know, the only knock I have against is that its CG is very early in the CG big budget spectacle thing. So uh, the you can see the strings nowadays, but you know no one was complaining about it back then. Oh. But it's fun, and this one looks to be cribbing into that, but the modern thing, but a little more modern. But here's my thing: is like a lot of people haven't maybe read a lot, but these new planned monster movies are follow-ups to the original Universal canon, the 30s and 40s movies. I mean, I'm sure it's loose, but they they play as if those events have already happened and here are new events like a long time later, which the Universal movies never did a real Jackal and Hyde to go with it. So they're able to bring Dr. Jackal, played by Russell Crowe this time around, in there. Yeah, he'll be... The Nick Fury, more or less, yeah, and, of this universe. And the, I like what they've said. They're, they said the team up thing aspect of all that is like everyone's thinking it's going to be like Avengers like. And they said that's not the case with what they're doing. They're making standalone movies that don't rely on the other one. Like there's going to be a common link of Doctor Jekyll, I imagine, will mm-hmm. might appear through them. But they're they're trying to hold them. So you can just go into one and watch that damn movie and not have to worry about putting pieces together. And eventually, I'm sure the monsters will cross oh, over. Gonna, yeah, there's going to be crossovers and team-ups and stuff like that, which I really – I'm looking really forward to that. They were the original I, I shared universe. They were Dracula. the original. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I want to see Dracula and Frankenstein's monster in the same movie again, yeah. but with updated graphics and effects. I think yeah. that's – Sounds fun. And what so I think there's a, a, a lot of potential, definitely. Yeah, and what they're doing here, I mean, they're taking the concept of Mummy, which, here's the thing, a lot of people are like, how much is it going to make? I, I did my box office predictions for the summer movie Gamble for uh, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, and I believe I had it coming in at ni- number nine because I, I believe it's, P- well, it's PG-13, so boom, you got that going. And two, they have two things. The, the Mummy itself has proven, like it did in 99, people want to see Mummy movies 
official mummy movies. They're gonna they're gonna go see it, and plus they're they're adding Tom Cruise, who Tom Cruise in the U.S. If it's not Mission Impossible, it's it's a little iffy, but you're adding known star with known concept, and I think that's gonna mix well that at least people see it. And if it's any good, it'll probably have legs because it opens with like three weeks to go till its next competition, which is Transformers. So it's got time. So I, I think it's probably going to be a pretty solid hit. Just it's uh, you got to depend on the reviews. And luckily, there's they're just trying to make a good movie to start. They're not already in production on the second one. They're just making this one. I'm, I guess, a wait-and-see person. I'm optimistic about this, where people turn their nose up. But these monsters have been around. They've been done here and there so many times. I'm, I'm open to new interpretations. I have my old ones. I have updated versions of old ones. I have, you know, I, you know, there's, you have, you know, the original Dracula. You have the Spanish Dracula. You have the Hammer Draculas. You have the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. You got so well, many that's why, of them. That's why they came up with Dracula Untold. Because what else is there to tell about Dracula? Which was a, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just a mediocre movie, which, oh, well, well, we'll just, Dracula will return. Don't worry. Yeah, it, it won't be with that storyline. It's no. just a, yeah, it didn't, didn't do well enough to be considered part of. They of almost this. did. It's, they almost did. They added a post credit scene just in case. Yeah. And then they, did, they didn't. They are like, no. This will be Ang Lee's Hulk is what <laughs> Dracula <laughs> right. told us. Right. But I hope that answers your question for those of you who like us talking about universal monsters well there you go a little extra so uh, hey just want to get one thing straight you said mummy is pg-13 right right so so no mummy tits then no mummy tits i guess i'll see it anyway maybe if the resolution's really high and the the bandages is very thin uh, the mummy's a girl that was jayla in star trek beyond last summer and was a girl with the prosthetic sharp blade prosthetic legs in uh, kingsman so she's making quite a niche for herself i like it <laughs> The point is, she's an awesome movie. Yes, yes, that's. There's a lot of potential here as well. She's got a good track record so far. Speaking of track records, we have Tango and Cash this week. Okay, let's do it. Which we are linking to this past weekend's number one movie at the box office. We were recording it before, but I'm pretty confident. <laughs> Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy Volume Two, which has Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone, and the last time they were together was Tango and Cash from 1989. It's a little different movie, a uh, little little different vibe than Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Yes, uh, but if if they have the same ending, then more power to it. Guardians of the oh god, be great. Guardians of the Galaxy Two had more of a focused plan for it. This movie was all over the place. It went into production with an unfinished script. Patrick Swayze was yep. going to be cash, but he dropped out pretty close to the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously hadn't filmed anything yet, but he dropped out to do Roadhouse. They got Kurt Russell again, which, as uh, my, my wife says, is a rough, uh, rougher Patrick Swayze. He's a better Patrick Swayze. I agree. And, Nothing against um, Swayze. I don't mind the Swayze. And the man was, was a talent that... I personally didn't respect enough until he, you know, well after he was gone. But I, I, I much prefer Kurt Russell. No, I do, I do too. They have the same haircut, so that's that's a, a bonus for this movie. Right, but this is bigger. I mean, this is too. I mean, I feel like they upgrade. Like Swayze was just come breaking out here. I mean, he wasn't. Uh, he, is like because Roadhouse was gonna take him over here, and yeah, he had Roadhouse, Dirty Dancing. You know, Kurt Russell is like you're matching up. You know, you got Snake Plissken, Jack Burton, you know, all these, you know, characters matching up with Stallone, Rocky Rambo, the action hero extraordinaire. You're you're pairing up two of the biggest 
you know, action guys of the eighties together. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is, I mean, Willis wasn't even at his stature. I mean, he had, Willis had die hard and was then going to do more action movies. But I think, you know, Kurt Russell was probably the, the, he was a bit more muscular than, than Bruce Willis, but he was probably the, the filled that kind of Bruce Willis ish role before Bruce Willis came into things. Yeah. He, he was, I guess you'd say a B movie action star, you know, because the movies that he were in that were action movies were not nearly as successful as Stallone's movies. No, Stallone was huge. Stallone was about ready to take a little dip right here until Cliffhanger and Demolition Man would bring him back. But no, Stallone larger than life, icon, huge. I mean, him and Arnold through those 80s they just owned them yeah it's a good thing that stallone was so huge because uh i heard it was a little difficult to work with on this movie yeah this is a uh, he, he was probably this time pretty demanding at this i mean he could be at this I, time so uh i believe he was the reason that the first director for this movie was fired because mm-hmm. i think there were if you don't count stallone there, there were actually like three directors of this movie. Because, like, the, the, the DP, I believe it was the DP, like, in between the two main directors, he shot some footage for it as well. Mm. And this thing, oh, my God. The, the, this thing went $20 million over budget. Yeah, $20 million. And had to, like, redo its schedule. It was, like, it was a Christmas movie. But yeah. I don't think it was supposed to be. Which, you know, funny thing, this was a 1989 movie, and I always... I would say it's like 1989 is the year that made me the the movie fan I am today. It was just big, like that summer. It was mainly the summer, which is almost like the the first modern blockbuster summer. And this movie could have fit right in there. Like you have yeah. Stallone and Russell teaming up, Tango and Cash would fit right in. But you know delays and well, stuff, and it doesn't. Well, I think this thing was also always supposed to be a December release. Okay. Surprisingly, with all the the reshoots, and they they had to recut the hell out of this movie multiple times before the studio said, all right, that's good enough. Go ahead and release it. Like this thing might have been done editing like the week before or the week of. So this thing, and, and this thing was only pushed back a week for the release date. And that's really surprising that they were able to make that cut. And I, yeah, just so many people fired and brought like, like Stuart Baird had to come in and like fix it in the editing room. Stuart Baird, who was, you know, gone to direct executive decision with Kurt Russell, everyone's favorite Seagal movie. Uh, <laughs> he did us marshals and he did star Trek nemesis, but he was, I mean, mainly his editing credits are just like, woo. Well, yeah, he also edited demolition man, which I heard he also saved as well. Yeah. That's really, that's really what his job was. It was just like, we've got this pile of movie Put it into something that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, more, he, more recently, the guy uh, he edited Skyfalls. So he knows what he's doing. He's is still what around saying. doing high-profile high projects, yeah. People still go to him. Barry Sonnefeld was the director of photography on this, fired by Stallone. So many players in, that we got something, hey. We sure did. And I think, oh, John Peters was involved in this movie, and he's like a lunatic, apparently, if you've heard about him and his giant spider that he wanted Superman to fight. He kept pushing it for it to be goofier and and campier, and Stallone wanted it to be serious. Which, I think, I like that Stallone went that way because it is aged into what John Peters wanted it to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie has aged well, I will tell you that. At the time of release, probably like, "Uh," but... Going back to it now. When I was a kid and I saw this movie coming out and when it would play on 
TV, I thought that movie looks stupid. Because they sold this as serious. Like, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it look. I mean, looking now, we look. We look at a different lens, but like the way this was sold, uh, far serious. Like, there's oh, the, the humor's like ah, it's you know them throwing one-liners at each other. But it was. I, I don't know how it could be considered serious. I I believe every line of dialogue bet- between Stallone and Kurt Russell, they're just, they're just ribbing on each other. Every single line of dialogue, it's just them cracking jokes at the expense of the other person. And it's just this witty, pithy, and it just keeps going back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like watching an Aaron Sorkin show. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, after we've seen, like, Stallone pair up with, like, other action icons now, and I, I'd have to say his chemistry with Russell is some of his best. Like, I, I, I really thought the two were pretty good together here. Stallone's character of Tango, which no one, no one's last name is Tango. In the history of the world, nope. I refuse to believe anyone's last name is Tango. I forgot what I was going with that, but that's important to say. I feel like it, it's Stallone in this role is like how he wants to be or wants to people to see him as, but he, he he's not. It's you know like it's a, a part of his ego thing from back then. Like the way I'm, he plays this character, I'm a muscle guy, but I'm like a classy muscle guy, you know. It's like if if uh, Fraser Crane worked out. Like, that's <laughs> what, how he's trying to be. So let's get into this. Okay, let's do it. The movie starts with the, uh, the Warner Bros. Lego and then a black screen and Stallone says, Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and you get this music and then we're in the middle of a chase with like a tanker truck, a helicopter, and Raymond Tango, who Stallone plays, in a convertible in pursuit of Robert Zadar! Like, driving the tanker, and the helicopter gives, like, Tango clearance to go it alone against against it. So he speeds up and gets, like, a couple miles ahead, and then pulls in the middle of the road, and he loads his gun, this little revolver, and then just straight up shoots at the tanker, which forces the guys to, like, fly out the window. They break, and they fly out the window. he puts super bullets in it. Yeah, okay. Because the other bullets weren't good enough, so they had, like, high-impact bullets, I guess. It just, I, God, I laughed so hard. Because they literally, they burst through the windshield on this thing, and it's not like they crash into something. They hit the brakes. There's no reason they should fly out of the car. Right. Seatbelts. E- even if they weren't wearing seatbelts. They hit the brakes. There's no reason they should fly through the fucking windshield of this car. And well, also, especially the driver. He'd be holding onto the steering wheel. <laughs> sure, yeah. I can see well, the they... passenger. I'll give him the passenger. And when they come flying through the glass, not a scratch. Right. All that, all that shattered glass isn't buried in their skin. They're fine. None of it's jammed in robert zadar's enormous face is that, that uh, zadar's face is invincible that's <laughs> this but so he throws handcuffs on him tells them to like handcuff themselves and the cops show up after and like you get these like typical the captain like gives him shit the sheriff starts i'm gonna have your ass because all they can find in there is gas and the guy's like who do you think you are and one's like he thinks he's rambo and then stallone says rambo is a pussy and he shoots the tanker, and, like, cocaine sputters out. Like, oh, my God. It's like, Stallone's it, like, oh, like, you know, because I'm playing Rambo, so it's, like, funny. You know <laughs> Get it? I'm breaking the fourth wall. Why didn't, Man, he, that... why didn't he, like, throw one at, like, you know, 
Or he uh, thinks he's con- a Terminator. A Terminator's a pussy. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been good. That's what yeah. he should have done. But instead, he called his own character a pussy, which which he had a movie that year, I think, too. I think Rambo three came out in nineteen eighty nine. So, but by the way, when they stop the the tanker, that one cop comes up to Stallone real hot. Check the whole truck, asshole. There's nothing in it. And you're out of your neighborhood, big city boy. I want your badge. I want your weapon. I want your ass. Who in the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Oh, no, he's like on fire. It's like, no, he's the sheriff. I noticed on his patch, it said sheriff. I was like, jeez, dude. I think the first words out of this guy's mouth were, we checked the whole truck, asshole. And he's yelling it in his face like, what the fuck? Like, sorry, like you got to do your job, you dickhead. Does he, does Jack Palance drive by this? Or are they like some, yeah, he drives by. He's in a limo. That's not suspicious at all. That in the middle of a desert, a stretched limo is driving by this scene of the crime. Jack Palance, for the second time in 1989, playing a mob boss (laughs) named Parrot Paray, is, he's pissed about Tango and Cash. Oh, he's mucking up his business. Like, just the most generic bad guy scene ever is like tango and cash cash and tango oh they go mopping up my business like okay like this whole movie it's like jack palance is auditioning to be a bond villain right but but it's not like he's not like clever like a bond villain he has like all the trappings of one he's gotta you're exactly right like that makes like like my mind just went like yes because he's super rich he's got a bunch of and a ridiculous amount of henchmen. He seems to have some kind of plan, but I don't know what the, what the leap is. He doesn't just quite make it into being a Bond villain. I don't know what the hell he's missing, but he's all, he's in process of building his layer. That, that that's where I think we're yeah. at at the end. Yeah, he has a layer. He has like I don't want to give too much away, but I'll just fucking say it now. He has a wall of televisions behind yes. his desk. We'll get more into that later. To but... go with the secret room of mirrors. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> we'll get into that stuff later, but... Tell me that isn't so like a, like a Bond villain. No, it, it, no, you just, like, my mind has just opened and been like, that's what I was trying... You know, like, I wasn't thinking that at all. I wasn't... But now it's like, yeah, my mind should have put that together. Like, I, I... Now it's like, yeah, yeah. Makes total sense. Like, okay, we're done with this episode. You've solved it. But a Bond villain would have more sense to than to go by the scene of a crime. Right. <laughs> He'd be miles away, not sitting right next to it like, oh, man, I got foiled. Well, boys, I got another plan for Tango and Cash. Fucking what? So, you should be petting a cat and looking at a shark. Uh, he, he goes for mice. He has mice. That's, that's, that's yeah, exactly. Cat. Yeah. That's another thing. He, he has an unusual pet so, like a Bond villain would. We then are going a little bit uh, tougher area of the city where Gabriel Cash is coming to his home to his apartment in his sweet car eating a burrito. And he grabs a paper which calls Tango on the cover. Uh, Ar- Ma- he calls him Armani with a badge. And, and he gets excited because he like flips over to like next page sees himself. Here's the thing. Do you think a newspaper would put <laughs> huge pictures of police officers on the front page? Do you think that's a good idea? Well, this is L.A., right? This is L.A., right? You don't think that maybe a criminal would... They might see a paper and then, like, hey, I shouldn't associate with that guy because he's a fucking cop. So 
in his apartment, some Asian dude pops out and shoots him twice, which Cash ends up throwing the guy out the window and then gives him chase down the street. And he has a pistol with a big-ass laser pointer on it, but not not quite Gregory Hines' laser <laughs> pointer. This actually looks like a gun. We should have followed up Eva Destruction with this. Back-to-back comical gun movies. The, the chase goes to, like, a parking garage where... Cash, he, like, saves a homeless woman from getting run over by the guy in a why, car. Why is there a bag lady inside a garage? I, I don't... There's a lot going on in this garage. And then he, like... Yeah, no he, shit. he takes a guy's car to give chase, but then, like, we randomly see these two people boning in the back of a car. I so, know! So it's like, wait, this movie needs boobs. We need, we, we're not quite to that R rating yet. I know, and, and they are fully naked in the back seat of this. Right, they're... Back seat of this car. Who who goes to a parking garage in the middle of the day and fucks? Who does that? In an apartment building. It's not like it's like an office building and they had to like duck out to go somewhere. It's an apartment building. Yeah, so one of them probably lives there. Why are they in the in this place? It's madness. Cash ends up smashing the guy out of commission. He, he runs the car that he's driving into another car that goes to the other level that the bad guy is driving in. So right. he uses someone else's, he, while driving a car, he uses another car as a weapon to stop another car. The Russian guy, who she took the car from, gets all pissed at him, to which we get, like, this is like the most 1980s thing, where he's like, You crazy guy! What did you do with my car? I believe in perestroika! Welcome to America! that line that there's no way when they saw that they didn't think man that's going in the trailer yes back at his office tango is met by Catherine tango who is going on a dance tour and she feels she needs time alone and he gets a call from a stockbroker which she bolts on to catch her plane at cash's office it's revealed he was wearing a vest the whole time to which she's upset that his shirt that cost nine dollars has holes in it What's well, 1989 yeah, money? So, so uh, $9 back then was like uh, $150. His shirt that was $9 in 1989 would have been $18.03 today. Oh, well, that is a lot. By the way, of course he was wearing a bulletproof vest because he jumped out a fucking window afterwards. There's no way he could have served. Like, he'd have to be running on pure adrenaline. Like, his body would have to be 98% adrenaline to do the things he'd have to do if he wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest. Cash notices his gun in his desk has been tampered with as the sight has been shifted. Keep note of that, folks. Keep note of that, folks. So he wants to question the guy who shot him, to which the captain denies, but he finds a cop in the bathroom that's watching the guy piss, and he just obliges, and he interrogates the dude by throwing him on the floor and, like, sitting on a chair on his neck. And uh, but, it, but it looks like it's, like, it's the locker room, but there's a desk in there, so do they interrogate people in the locker room as well? Because that's what it looks I like to I, me. Yeah, I didn't think it was an interrogation room. I just thought it was, like, a locker room. They were going to take the guy somewhere else. Well, well, well Brandon... I'll ask you this. How many locker rooms have you been to where there's a table and chairs? I don't know. Do like Dungeons and Dragons like tournaments have? <laughs> Th- those happen and... in locker rooms, right? Sure. Locker rooms. I don't know. But there's a table and chairs and he gets the info out of him 
Tango, on the other end, is given some info about a drop at his office. His captain points out that the paper, the, the newspaper has them, him and Cassius, downtown clown versus Beverly Hills WAP. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> also, I can't believe a newspaper would have WAP as yes! a headline. Like, like, anywhere. That's, <laughs> I can't believe that. Thing of pride, I guess, now. Jack Palance, or Perrette, he, he watches a video of Cash bus doing some coke bus and his goons come in and he shows videos of tango's coke bus and those goons include brian james as reckon reckon or is it reckon or reckon reckon james and james hong we love james hong uh returning from his uh shift as david lopan to fight kurt russell once again here as <laughs> Quan. by using two mice he uh perrette describes tango and cash he says they can't kill them as it will martyr them and it'll start a war with the police. And then he devises a game that will put the two in prison to which he puts mice in a maze that's in his bar, which is Bond villain stuff as Cullen. Yeah, that's absolutely the point where I thought, is he going to launch missiles like mm-hmm. at a foreign country before the movie's over? Because it was super weird that he's just walking around with mice in his hands. Tango that night stakes out Raccoon on a suitcase drop, and Cash is in an alleyway chasing down some lead. And I like how he is in the, the alleyway, and he tests his laser pointer by putting it on his palm. Yeah. But he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's on. All right. And just point it at anything else. Yeah. And Tango and Cash, we see wind up in the same abandoned, condemned old building, and then they come face-to-face with each other in there, which I know Brian James was in Blade Runner, but, man, this building reminded me of, like, an abandoned building in Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Also, Tango and Cash, they go to this place alone, mm-hmm. or, like, each of them by themselves. Yes. You don't think that maybe they should have someone with them? No, because they're, gunsl- they're gunslingers. I'll give them that. They're egotistical. Like, I'll do this. They don't have any fear. They have no idea how many people are in that place. Right. No, no, just me. That's fine. They argue over whose case this is, and then they bust in our room with a dead guy who's wired in a chair, and they find a table with cocaine and walkie-talkies, and then the cops bust in and go to arrest them. And then there's a gun on the floor, the murder weapon, which was the gun from Cash's locker. And then Reckon collects some recording from some Weasley-looking dude in a car. Tango and Cash are arrested. Some guy fills in Tango's captain with the evidence and the info, and they're later played a tape at the FBI, which has them making a deal with the dead guy and then shooting him. And then we, we are montaged through their trial with newspapers, news clips, and courtroom clips with testimonial and lawyer questions. And then we, we do see the Weasley guy testifies... Tango looks over to Cassius. When this is over, we have to pay Jabba the Hutt here a visit. I'll bring the chainsaw. Nothing at this time, Your Honor. I'll bring the beer. Somehow, that all goes together. It seems like a hat on a hat. You know, yeah. like, you know, I'll bring the chainsaw. Done. There's your joke. What? I'll no. Bring the beer. Why was it like, we need to go pay Jabba the Hutt the visit. I'll bring the lightsaber. <laughs> And then I'll, I'll bring the beer is fine. I'll bring the beer is fine. They didn't need to be make up some drink, but yeah, well, but I'll bring the says, chainsaw. When he says I'll bring the chainsaw, that's clearly like I don't know how to answer this cleverly. So violence. That's yeah. what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, by the way, the, the whole crux of this trial is the tape where it sounds like they are making a deal with the dead guy. All right. Here's the thing. 
uh, that's not admissible in court. You can't, like, like, audio tape, you can't have that as evidence because it's too easy to manipulate. So really, the, the whole movie past this point is impossible to happen. The rest of the movie should not happen. But the screenwriter said, fuck it. I don't care what the law is. Tango and Cash are in trouble. Movie logic. Which, fine. <laughs> Just like, well, if they need to get to jail, there. No, I, I know. <laughs> there's a part of me that's like i get it it's just i'll overlook this major omission from the law whatever let's just keep going if 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 at any point before this movie that it had been playing as it was smarter and more thinking man's thing than this then yeah i'd get mad but i yeah <laughs> everything goes against them and then and tango's attorney assures him they're being set up and they should take a plea. Tango wants to talk to Cash about it. And then Cash's lawyer wants him to cop an 18-month plea as well. They discuss who they think set them up. And Tango suggests they cop a plea together and argue over the statement, which who's going to give the statement, which comes down to a question on who's younger by birthday, which Tango tells him his birthday, which Cash is like, ha February. But then Tango says, nope, you're lying. Yours is in August. I read your file. Boom. That's, that's one of those back and forths where I sat there and thought, like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Like, what do you, like, why couldn't you just flip a coin? You don't. Why does everything that you say have to be an attack on the other person? In court, they change their plea. Tango pleads, and then Cash does one against Tango's wishes, to which he just says the whole thing fucking sucks. To cheers from the entire courtroom, the plea is no contest for manslaughter, and they are sentenced to 18 months. They're supposed to be 18 months in a minimum security prison. And meanwhile, in his volcanic l- base. <laughs> no, just kidding. He's on a volcano. It's an underwater hey. sea laboratory. I'm kidding. It's just a landfill area place. Maybe that's what uh, the, what was missing for him to be a Bond villain. He didn't have a cool place. Like He's like, well, it's, it's a little bit better than a junkyard, but it's not really. It's spacious. I got that going for me, but it's not really as neat or as intimidating as lava or sharks. I just got a, a bunch of rocks. At his headquarters, Para is happy and celebrating while Quan and Lopez are like, yo, okay, okay, but what's going to happen when they're out in 18 months? To which he tells them to use their imagination. Okay, but what's going to happen when they get out? <laughs> their imagination seems to think, hey, they're going to come right back after us. Tango and Cash enter the penitentiary, which is not the one they were sentenced to this is like maximum security stuff we then get them naked in the showers to which they wonder and argue who set them up and make fun of each other's wangs the size of them and it's not the only time that happens so if you like people cracking the size of dongs good news it's got it in spades it's happening uh by the way when they're in the shower it's just the two of them and every fucking shower head is on yeah they get the whole treatment they i mean they can they need to go to their left there's a shower for them if they need to go to the right it's on what a fantastic waste of water like Uh, unless it's like a a thing where the guards control it and they just have a a valve that just turns it all on and no they don't do individual showers maybe oh maybe i i haven't been to prison showers very often uh in fact zero times but uh i don't know maybe i wonder if they had a had a desk in chairs there yeah maybe i mean we just didn't see it in the shot so they probably, had, they probably had all the showers on so they could flip that desk over and just ride it through on the wet floor uh, like you do they get put in general population which features shitloads of fire and paper just flying around <laughs> I, I couldn't believe 
that. Like, wait a minute, guys, fellas. It's one thing to throw toilet paper and old magazines or whatever. Like, but there's a fucking there are multiple fires. It looked like somebody prison. shot a missile at the side of the prison to break dudes out. Yeah. And they were like escape like Bane showed up to like get everybody out. Tango and cash. I give you the freedom. <laughs> the fire rises, Tango. As they walk by all the cells, they get, like, all these stereotypical prisoner, like, I'm going to kick your ass, talking. And guess who's in a cell near them? It's Robert Sintar! Hey, punk. When I get out of here, I'm going to tell you a new ass. You know Captain Dynaball here? Yes! Yes! I love Joan Conan the Barbarian! Oh, Arnold, did you hear that one? <laughs> and, and also... Is that supposed to be an an insult or? I mean, that's not. No, that, that's nothing. There, there, and there's so much material with with Robert Zadar's face. You could say something like his, uh, like, uh, "Hey, uh, what, did they detach your face from the front of the railroad car? I don't know, something like that." Or uh, was mask uh, was mask out yet? And he said, "Loved you in mask." <laughs> I loved you in mask. No, that's a burn. I loved you in Conan. Stupid. I loved you in that movie with really muscular people. I loved you in that movie. I, I, I loved you as that, that handsome, like, muscular Austrian guy in good shape. Yeah. Loved you. That was probably the wank object of many women at this time the movie's made, but, yeah. You could say something about how his jaw weighs more than his brain. So, Cash gets put in a cell with, uh lady pictures all over the wall and he starts he goes to claim the toilet that or his roommate claims the toilet and he's paired with a giant black man and then tango gets paired with clint howard as himself yeah i don't, I don't with think, a slinky i don't think clint howard knew this was a movie he's probably just in prison yeah <laughs> they just filmed on location Clint Howard's in here. Well, we got to get him for this movie. Yeah, in the middle of the night, both are violently removed from their cells by other inmates and thrown down the laundry chute. And down there, they meet with Perrette, and they're, they're confronted by all the crooks in there and Brian James, which turns into two men against all fight. And Tango and Cash fare quite well for a bit, but they're ultimately overcome by the inmates. They get hung up. They get strung up above these pools of gross water, and Brian James's Requin speaks, who is Australian? I'll cut your bloody throat. Yank your thing out the O and tie the lovely Windsor knot for you, eh? Uh, I think he's supposed to be British. He keeps saying I British, think. but he says, hey, mate, and well, stuff like it's that. A, it, it's supposed to be a Cockney accent, but it's shitty Cockney accent. Yeah, and Brian James it, is American, born oh, yeah. and raised. Originally, he was only supposed to have, like, two lines, but he wanted to stand out, so he said, I know what I'll do. I'll do it in a real shitty British accent. Here's the thing. Sylvester Stallone loved it, so he gave him more lines. He pulls some big cable apart and then puts it in the water well, that's yeah, below them. he rips an enormous power cable out of the wall with his bare hand. And Jack Pounce goes, rats in a maze in a cage. <laughs> And Cash gets lowered into the water and electrocuted. And the next is Tango. And as he's being electrocuted, guards finally bust in and everybody clears. And Jack Pounce, like, disappears dramatically into the smoke. Like, backing away <laughs> behind this, like, corner. Was... 
Oh there my god. So, there is so much fucking steam in this laundry room. It's ridiculous. Like, there, there, there's gotta be a pipe broken somewhere with the amount of steam pouring through the floor of this place. A, a guy named Matt has put them in a different cage, and he's the assistant warden and friends with Cash. He goes, we got the best guards money can buy, you know, noting that, yeah, this whole place is corrupt. He says their best option is to escape. And Tango is against that, but Cash begs him to trust him. And Matt gives them a blueprint of the ventilation system and says he'll turn the right fan off to help them out. Tango wants to make a shortcut in there. And he's like, no. And he's like, well, he goes, why use your plan A? He goes, because it's a hell of a lot better than your plan B, which you don't even have. I, th- I like that line. And when the when the time comes, Tango's changed his mind, and he's not going to go break out. And that night, Cash, he works on his escape, and then, oh, guess what? He's being set up. But Tango shows up in time to save him. And here's a, here's a weird thing. They're taking the sewers to get out and then wind up on the roof? Like, they look like sewers, right? Sewer tunnels? Yeah, yeah you're right. I'm, I don't... Because they go... They have to come out the same way they went in, which was on the ground... But then they end up on the rooftop. Yeah, and uh, we find out that Matt, the assistant warden, was killed. He didn't set them up, but he probably gave up the information. Cash ziplines on a power line out of the prison, and then Robert Zadar confronts Tango on the roof with, like, a grappling hook and chain. But Tango gets him to fall under the Transformers, which shocks him to death. And then he dramatically leaps off the roof and grabs the power line to zip out. Did we mention this entire scene's in the rain? Yes, rain, like <laughs> heavy rain. Fucking Matthew Broderick Godzilla rain. Yes. It's just unending heavy rain. Yeah, this is like Hollywood like studio stunt show rain. And on the ground, they're like, nice doing time with you. And he goes, yeah, I'll never forget that time in the showers. And they wind up splitting up. To which I thought I thought that was weird. Yeah, I was like, what, what? And and they don't have like a plan. They just split up. But Tango tells Cash about Catherine and Cleopatra's before they split up. Which I'm like, things, things shit do hot in the streets. Yeah, you guys uh, stick together. So Parrot is told about the escape, which worries Quan and Lopez, but he assures them they won't last long in the streets because they're convicted killers. And, and this is where Jack Palance, he's talking to a wall of TV monitors. Yes! Yes, behind his desk. Like, he's like, yeah. Here's the thing. When you're doing stuff like this, you need a camera. Where the fuck is the camera? It's not like now where, you know, you video chat, you've got a, a pretty small camera. Back then, the smallest camera you could get that would come close to doing something like this would be a camcorder. Like a VHS JVC camcorder that goes on your shoulder. Right. No cameras to be seen anywhere. So, Jack Palance is magic, apparently. That's the only fucking explanation I have for this. If he is a Bond villain, maybe he's privy to some tech that wasn't available at the time. Maybe. Maybe. But that means the guys on the other end... They also have a monitor to look into and a camera. Where the fuck are they? And who's got the internet connection and all this to do? Yeah, exactly. Are they doing this over is he a running, phone Is line? he running like a tiny news station there? Yeah, are they broadcasting like a Satellite broadcast? Uh, he tells Rakeen to cover his tracks and then goes to playing with his mice again. The he almost like fucking kisses him yeah, too. Yeah, it's close. He's like, and it cuts. At the police research facility, Cash meets with Owen, which... It's just a few letters away from Q, who had just read the pa- paper about their escape, and Cash shows up. 
like right around the corner. He's like, oh, well, that's that's cool. Oh, hi, Cash. It, it, it's this character we've never seen or heard about, and how we're like an hour into this movie. Yeah. Like, who the fuck are you? And he's now very important. Uh, no, Ca- he's not. But 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 you know what is important? That this guy he works for the police department. So Cash, a criminal that's broken out of prison, decides to go to the police department. And talk it's to not. His friend. I, it's it's the police research facility. So it's they make it they make it a, a point to show us that sign. So I'm guessing it's not in the same building as the police department. Uh, still, still a place where police are known to be. I'm sure there's a few cops hanging there. <laughs> yeah, he just fucking brazenly walks in. What it you know? Cash got a lot of applause. I'm willing to bet he had a few enemies. <laughs> Right. Or not everyone loved this guy. He's taking a huge risk going there. So he gets clothes and guns from the guy. And then Tango visits Weiler, the cop who arrests him, played by Louis Arquette. And he admits to being paid off to plant the evidence. He goes, It doesn't matter. They want me dead. My life isn't worth shit. That's true. But I need you anyway. And, and Weiler makes a break for it, but his car blows up when he opens the door. Not even, like, turn the gas on, just opens the door. We then see a little mustached man who we remember testifying about the recording in the trial. He goes to a sound lab where Cash is waiting for him with a shotgun. And he gets a confession out of the guy who pieced together audio to form the evidence in the wiretap recording. And Cash goes to Cleopatra's, where he's looking for Catherine, whom a waitress hasn't heard of. But on stage, she's dancing, and she's known as Kiki there. And she immediately, like, recognizes Cash when she sees him. And, well, she takes note of him. She's, like, dancing and drumming. Playing some of the shittiest drums I've ever seen. Yes. And I, and I, I don't mean the actual drums themselves. I mean the quality of her drumming. It's like, it's like, is this the first time you've played drums? These electric drums? The cops show up, and she distracts them by peering down the stage and flirting with them so Cash can maneuver away. Backstage, she meets up with Cash. He tells her that Tango sent him and wants to talk somewhere else. Cash has Catherine swap clothes with this guy do it, that plays Elvis in the stage show, and she leaves on a bike and calls for a woman to come ride on the bike, which is Cash cross-dressing, and he goes to ride on the bike with Catherine, and one cop tries to hit on him as he leaves. Hey, uh, Red. Aerobics instructor, huh? <laughs> hey, bud, put your hands off my property. Any, uh, chance of a three-way? Bikes on bike, take up. That whole exchange... Has that ever worked? Someone's like, how about a three-way? No one, I don't think anyone's ever turned around and like, you know what? I'll see you in an hour. That's never fucking happened. The response is is always the finger. Just like, and twins! Because they're like, what, are you expecting them to have incest with you? Like, exactly. A a third of that, two-thirds of that three-way is incest. Anyways, I do. They go back to her apartment and uh, she's all massaging Cash's back, which she says he slipped a disc. And Tango comes in and hears her trying to slip the disc back in. But it sounds like, you know, sex stuff. And Colin, you want to describe what she's saying at all? Or... Uh, I, I believe she's yelling out, it's going in, it's going in. And to actually say that, that's fine, that's one thing. 
because she is pushing a disc back into his back. But 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 the way that she yells it, and I know this scene is supposed to be that like, oh, it sounds like they're having sex. It makes zero sense for her to be that enthusiastic about it's going in. It sounds like she actually is coming. Like, I don't think she was acting. I think she was she was pleasuring herself during this scene. It's preposterous the amount of yelling and enthusiasm she has over a disc going into Kurt Russell's back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lower. Yeah. Harder. I'll just move it around real slow. <sighs> don't stop. No, don't worry. I can do this all night. Oh, God. Prove it. <laughs> a little faster. More? Deeper. Oh, my God. Get in. I can feel oh. it going in. Oh, harder. Oh, it's almost oh. in. Yeah! It's all in. Oh. You get what they're doing. You understand that, but you're like, come on. It's... That's the line, Tango and Cash. It's like, come on, Terry. The way she is like, oh, it's going in. No, you would not be that excited about it. She hasn't been working on this thing for hours. She just noticed it like three minutes ago. Before he can stop that, Tango notices a figure at the door. He And he crashes through the door to get this person, but it's the captain. And then Cash has him at gunpoint. It's not revealed, and it's then revealed that Catherine's his wife, not his wife or anything. It's his sister, Tango's, Ca- which Cash and thinks it, is great. And Cash immediately knows that he is going in. Yes, and and Tango has a conversation with his sister, and and I like this moment where the captain and Cash are there, and he offers, and the captain's smoking, and he offers, he's like, want to smoke? And uh, Carousel says no, and then takes the cigarette he's smoking out of his hand from him and smokes it. <laughs> yeah. Cash provides the tape that will clear their names, and the captain gives them info on Reckon and gives them his address. And he also but, but, says, you've got 24 hours to fix all this. And there's there's some more pithy dialogue between, between Tango and Cash, where I believe Cash says... What do you got? And Tanko says, a quarter to four. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hilarious. Before they leave, uh, Tango has a heart-to-heart with his sister, in which, after he's done with that, Cash throws in the last word of trying to ask her out. We see Cash go to an apartment building, and he, he picks... He's got a cool thing. He picks a lock with some... Well, you, you know what? Okay. <laughs> we have this Owen guy who makes gadgets for Cash. And, like, yep. a, later a souped-up car. And then we have, like, Jack Palance, the Bond villain. Yeah. Like, this is, like, wow. Okay. Because <laughs> he's got this bullet that he uses, like, it's got a lockpick on it. Which I don't think, like, a lockpick something you got to, like, hide. Or <laughs> I don't think yeah. you need a secret contraption. But it's cool anyway. I, I, thought... I was going to say, the bullet is going to raise more eyebrows than just, like, a, a something to pick a lock. Like, a, a lockpick that was a bullet? Ooh, like, you know, it looks like a lockpick, but you could, like, load it in a gun and shoot it. <laughs> Don't know how that's possible, but... Uh, so in the room, he's held up by Rakeen. He's, in turn, held up by Tango, and they hold him by his legs over the, the roof, on the roof of the building, over the, over the edge, for info. And then they go to plan B, which is a grenade taped into his mouth. And Cash wants to shoot him in the leg, and they get in a big fight with one another, to which Cash just lets Tango go. And uh, Tango calls these. Like, 
really do look like shit in a ponytail. Rakeen freaks and gives up uh, Perrette, and, and Cash then, <laughs> he said, I like this one. Think he's telling the truth? I don't know, but it's not raining, and he's standing in a puddle. Disgusting. <laughs> Piss. And he tells him he fell for the old trick. Last, you know, let's trick in the book. Bad cop, worst cop. Stallone then takes the grenade, throws it in his in Rekin's pants, and says, "My contr- contribution to birth control." We find out though it's a dud. Cash takes them to Owen back at the. They go back to the police place, and yeah, uh, Owen's both got both of them. This both wanted criminals. Souped up pickup truck with like all sorts of guns and shit, and they're it's like, an RV from hell. They go to the the lair of Parrot. Tango then, before they go in, gives his concern about Cash dating his sister, to which Cash says he'll stay away till he gives his blessing, which is never. And uh, they get the they get the Tango and Cash mobile and charge the gates, and they crash through the gate, and all sorts of trucks are like this is insane. Like trucks are chasing them, trucks are firing guns, and some are shooting rockets off. <laughs> It's this like landfill area, and it like it's fucking ridiculous. Which includes this awesome jump from a cliff with explosions behind the truck, and them going ah, like it's like the most stereotypical like buddy cop action moment. There's not only are there monster trucks in this scene, one of them is the actual Bigfoot. Like it doesn't have like Bigfoot written on the side, but it is the actual monster truck Bigfoot. Dick Palance's character. He has monster trucks. He, he, he owns Bigfoot. And and then the vehicle catches fire, uh, the, the Tango Cash Mobile, and they're like, we're in a goddamn maze. You mean when it catches fire and says, we're on fire. Yeah. And then Kurt Russell says, yeah, we're cooking now. Yeah. And Perret watches all this from his TV with great enthusiasm going, get those sons of bitches. Someone out there holding the camera. <laughs> or he got a copy of the movie on VHS before. It's, yeah, it's, it's like Spaceballs. You're right. Right. And they get they end up getting squashed between two construction vehicles. And so they, they each bail out and take over one of them. And while this is happening, they still have the mental wherewithal to make jokes about each other's dick. If I'm about to be crushed by two enormous pieces of construction equipment i'd be focused on saving my fucking life not cracking wise like oh you know it's 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 not that cold why is your dick so small what were the fuck they say it's just garbage like that they enter one of the main uh, buildings i noticed at this point stallone's dressed like he's like i mean cash looks like oh yeah that's cash stallone's dressed like he's the manager at golf galaxy <laughs> like he's got this like Polo with like some big logo on like where uh, like a pocket would be, and then like mm. it's nicely tucked into his like freshly pressed like khaki. Wait, like you knew you were raiding this place. Why did you dress up? <laughs> right, like yeah. Perrette... It's, it's like well, let's see. I'm going to uh, meet the guy that framed us for murder. Uh, that, that that feels like business casual. Yeah. Uh, Perret is waiting on them with an armed Lopez and Quan, which if. I'm sorry, James Hong with a gun is not intimidating, but he's like, let them come, we are ready. And they activate a bomb, and we see they have also kidnapped Catherine, of course. Uh, Yeah. And there's 11 minutes to take care of all this and end the movie. After they trash all these guns, this building has a self-destruct sequence. You know, like you see in a sci-fi movie, 
or a James Bond movie? Yes! Oh, man. They go upstairs and just shoot the shit out of the place, which ends up killing Quan and then Lopez in the process. But Lopez gets up to rise up and shoot one more time. Cash takes a bullet for Tango, who doesn't know it's coming. They see Rakeen has Catherine. He's He's got a knife to her, and it's one of those, like, barber shave knives. And he points out that he learned from them. He's going to play the game from earlier, and she's got a grenade taped to her neck. He does the dumbass thing of throwing her aside to attack, and then... Also, some other thug jump kicks out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Tango fights him while Cash fights Rakeen. Like, like what? What? I was like, who? They're, they're, where? I think I saw the guy earlier in the movie, but he like it's no. like, okay, we can't have two on one. Uh, Bobby, jump kick in here. No, th- this is a dangerous men moment where it's like, who yeah. the fuck is this person? There's five minutes left in the movie. During this fight, Cash pulls a grenade. And uh, he says, we never talked about Plan C, asshole. And then puts it in his pants, in Brian James' pants, and knocks him down. And then... He kicks him down the stairs. Yes, he kicks him down the stairs. Tango takes care of uh, Jump Kick Man. And then a wall opens with a hall of mirrors. And Perrette has Catherine at gunpoint. And he's talking a lot of shit. And Tango pulls a gun from his ankle. And Cash has a boot gun! Like, it shoots, like, it's got bullets from the heel of his boot, and they both fire, and it goes through the glass and hits Perret in the head, and they were both clued in on something different to know which was him as... Instead of just a reflection. Yeah, one, well, one says it was a reflection because he noticed something was on the opposite hand, and then Cash, like, felt, you know, it's like see-through glass, or like the reverse mirror, I don't... That's what he thought. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how they... Ad- I still don't know how they identified yeah. him. Uh, they, they grab Catherine and escape as they all run, and boom! The supervillain spy base, spy killer base goes up huge. And as they're watching it burn, uh, they get into a wits match, and I will... Okay. The best possible ending to this fucking movie happens. Like, Catherine says... They, they need to admit that they work well together. And Ken Cash says he has the right to date, date Tango's sister, to which Tango says, over my dead body, they high-five, locking fingers, and then they're like, they cuts over and they stare erotically at one another. <laughs> the, the hands, the high-five hand freeze frame, and then it cuts to a shot of them high-fiving together on a newspaper, it says Tango and Cash back on the force, and then a super 80s song kicks in and the credits roll. I got up and cheered. It was amazing. That was like this 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 movie, this was the best possible thing they could have ever came up with to end this movie, and they fucking nailed it. When they were sitting there watching the building burn and they were talking, I thought, there's no way this movie does not end on a fucking high five. And not only did it end on the high five, but they interlaced those fingers as if to make one giant fucking fist in the air. Yes! Because it wasn't macho enough. It's so fucking macho. And then they look lovingly into each other's eyes. And before they can, like, deeply mouth kiss each other it cuts to a newspaper so maybe i'm going after the wrong tango here like ama- like perfect it was the perfect ending to this <laughs> i couldn't believe i i oh my gosh i was so happy so happy if you don't watch the end of this movie and yell yes then you don't 
fucking enjoy life. Yeah. Like, oh, man. I'm glad there's no Tango and Cash 2 because our last moments with these two characters could never yeah. have been as good as this. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> like, they're not going to top that. They're fucking done. Yeah, you can't. Like, it's like, even if this movie would have been, like, the biggest movie of all time, don't. You <laughs> you, you will only dilute this, this ending. Like, movies don't end perfectly like this. They end great. They end good. It's like, oh, satisfying. This is perfect. The only way they could top it is if that cop had a three-way with Kurt Russell and Terry Hatcher. Yes. Oh, jeez. With Jack Palance's severed head on the dresser. <laughs> And, a ra- and the rats, the mice come out of his mouth. And then it has, and and that's on the front page of the newspaper. And it, and it says heroes again above the picture. Like, what the hell? Why would they publish this? <laughs> this is not a reputable newspaper. And on the wall in the bedroom of the threesome is a Conan the Barbarian pa- poster starring Robert Zadar. Or one with a the, sword, with him holding a sword. Or one of the many like, like poster-sized pictures of Terry Hatcher that she had in her own house. Did you notice that? I didn't notice it. She had pictures of herself? Yeah. She had like huge black and white pictures oh. of herself on the walls in her house. I wonder... But like, po- like poster-sized pictures. It was fucking ridiculous. Like why... Like, like, it's one thing they have, like, oh, it's a picture of me, like, I'm in front of the Rocky Mountains, or this is me in New York. You're, you're doing something fun. No, just a straight-up fucking picture of her looking glamorous on the wall. Wow, this was a good time like, for her. This, I mean, she was rising in the ranks. Like, yeah. here, she was, I mean, she was a lot of TV. Like, at, at this very same time, within this, like, couple-year period, I mean, she was a regular on MacGyver. She was on Quantum Leap. She was on Star Trek The Next Generation. She was on L.A. Law, which, kids, you might not know L.A. Law, but it was huge back in the day. Yeah. And like, and then she had, this was her first like big film to break out from that. And then she'd go on to do more years of like some little lesser, lesser known movie, little movies, some acclaimed stuff. And then she'd wind up like four years after this getting Lois and Clark. And, you know, from there having consistent work. I remember... Tango and Cash being on TV. Yeah, it was like an ABC Sunday night movie one. Like, yeah, and it, big time. you know, and they really, you know, and it was during that Lois and Clark time, and they really pushed that Terry Hatcher was in the movie. I Man. mean, she's no Robert Zadar. No, no. What was he? He did Maniac Cop the same year, I believe. But this is one of his like biggest, like, I mean, he did a lot of movies, and there's a lot of known movies of Robert Zadar, but this might be his like most one of his most prestigious projects, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, because when you know when you type him up in IMDb, it's Robert Zadar, Tango and Cash. Here, here's a fun game for you folks at home. Look up Robert Zadar's profile on IMDb and count how many of his characters' names are just face or head or <laughs> jaw. This is after Maniac Cop. He does, in 1989, he does Growing Pains, something called Train to Kill, Young Rebels, Samurai Cop, and Tango mm-hmm. and Cash. I assume when he was on Growing Pains, it was in a nightmare sequence. He played Cliff on the episode Feet of Clay. Use extreme caution. Cash? Yeah. Listen to the man. Yes, mommy. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are a cult to my cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty around here. Our options are stay with your family, 
which mean you are a nice, classy Armani cop. Too good for this movie. Converted, you're a downtown clown with a gadgetry and, and parlor tricks and okay with taking the job or drinking the Kool-Aid. You're all in on supervillainhood, building a base, having henchmen, having a, a odd pet and, and a maze of mirrors. Okay, let's do it. Cullen, how do you rate Tango and Cash? Like, uh, remember at the time when this movie came out, it, it made a profit, but it wasn't huge. And that seems appropriate at the time because people didn't know what the hell to think of this movie because, like, is it serious? Is it silly? What the hell is your movie? And that was one of the issues uh, why there were so many directors. They couldn't get the tone right, and it's just a big damn mess. But now you watch it, and now it's just a, a campy, over-the-top, I don't want to say thrill ride because that's an overused word for this these kind of movies. But it's it's a lot of fun. There are times where, man, that back and forth between Tango and Cash, it's just... I just want to say, like, that's enough! Just have a fucking conversation where you're civil for two fucking minutes! But the rest of the time, it's just like, your dick's small. Nor your dick is small. Ha 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 ha! Ah! It's too much sometimes. But the action's really good in it. I've never seen a car used as a weapon from another car, so that's pretty awesome. There's, there's nudity in it. There's no need for nudity in it, which is hilarious. Uh, I gotta say, I am ha- I'm converted on this. I'm happy that we watched a movie where I didn't hate it. And I can actually say, yes, this, this movie is silly and over the top, but it's entertaining. So I think it's worth a watch. So Brandon, how do you rate Tango and Cash? It's been a long time since I've, I've seen this movie, actually. I remember watching it when I was really young and just being like, ah... And a lot of people back in the day, like, this has like a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics didn't care for it. A lot of the buzz on it was it wasn't very good. It was such a... Because this was like high expectations because it was Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone coming together. And it's like, this better be the next big thing. And it wasn't. And people call it a disappointment. But fuck, this movie's fun. Like, <laughs> I was enjoying the hell out of this movie. It's silly... I, it's aged well is what I, I, I've said. Like, it's become silly. It's become, like, a fun action movie on its own, but also a kind of a parody of the buddy action comedies with, you know, the, you're right. The dialogue back and forth does get to be a bit much, but I think I don't think that's the point they were making then, but the point the movie can make now is to be, like, point out how that can be the way in movies like that. There's just so much silly shit. There's good serious action, good silly action, the movie moves like there's a whole like it's a prison movie for a while and then gets out of that. It's it's got good it's got good balance on its pacing and sections. I I like Russell and and Stallone together. Uh, Terry Hatcher's I, I have a thing for Terry Hatcher, but um, she's fun here. Jack Palance is ridiculous, which makes him great. I, I'm I am I am going to step in line from Converted and and try a glass of the Kool Aid. I'm not like I'm not jumping in a punch bowl of Kool-Aid, but I'm having me some Kool-Aid on this one. So I, I would drink the Kool-Aid on Tango Cash. It's I just had so much. It was just a fun time. Like I couldn't believe it. I was very surprised. I thought I was gonna like enjoy the movie on some level, but I really enjoyed this one. If there were more stupid explosions, that would have been the one thing for me to probably knock it up to 
drink the Kool-Aid on it because I love action movies that are just when I when I watch an action movie and I want it to be an over the top action movie and I don't mean the movie over the top I want a an, a movie that's like Commando that's the kind of ridiculous action that I want in a movie if, if your car makes contact with something it better blow up oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. if you, if your car doesn't use a turn signal properly. Kaboom! That's what I want to happen. If at least four bullets make contact with a vehicle, it better blow up. It's the right. first, the first shot, hopefully, but four is too much for a car to handle. There need to be five cars exploding in your movie. They don't have to be all at the same time. It's better if it's not. Just throw the movie. Five cars have to blow up, and you've got a hell of a movie. I mean, this movie's got such dumb stuff. Like, I, I, I laughed at when, like, Brian James has Terry Hatcher held at knife point and then they take care of that and then she's held at gunpoint by like jack pan is like passing off like oh my turn i get to hold you i get to hold you hostage now she's held at gunpoint in a mirror maze (laughs) not just a mirror maze but a mirror maze that is revealed by a wall like retracting with like eight jack palances in it like it's oh so so good and this ending, the end, you can't. The, the ending alone gets us a converted. That that alone gets right. it a converted. So, okay, here's the thing: Jack Palance has a mirror maze, cool, great, whatever. But the wall, like I said, it retracts back to reveal this thing. That means that <laughs> this maze was built with the intent to do something like this. It's not just. Like, like, oh, I'm just going to go into my mirror maze for a while. No, I want something that reveals this room of deception. What are you going to do with this mirror maze? You just got to, like, you going to play games? Oh, I watched Man with the Golden Gun. It was kind of cool. I want my own. <laughs> oh, God. And he's got the, that, that, that wall of TVs. Yes. How much fucking cabling is going on? That was like an eight, that was like an eighties and nine, like eighties, nineties things, right? Like you were, you were a super villain, a true one. If you had like a wall of TVs, not just one big monitor, a wall of TVs that all coincided to make one image. You're either a super villain or you worked at a mega corporation. Yeah. Like, why do I want to watch that? My, like the image is distorted because there's like, separation everywhere like make me just one big screen what can we not just get a projector like no it's not cool it's gotta be a bunch of radiation pumping televisions like entire wall of them if people were doing like serious like video game competition it'd have those monitor thing like setups Mm -hmm. like it's like no like how do you even wire that yeah how, how do you wire like all right I want you to be the top corner of this image. I want you to be the middle top corner. I want you to like, no, like, how does that work? <sighs> Who do you think contracted this place that built this place that built this, this layer in the middle of a fucking quarry. And man, his Coke empire must be great. Cause that's what he was doing. Right. Just dealing Coke. As far as... No, and guns. He had guns. Oh, and remember? guns. That's right. Yes, he was running guns. Okay. Guns and coke. Guns and coke. That's where the money is. So, like, he can't be the only person doing that. Those are too generic. Because yeah, he's... It's in LA, <clears throat> so there's going to be more than just him. <clears throat> this isn't Albuquerque, where it's realistic. Like, okay, there's one person that's kind of got a stranglehold on it. Like, no, this is LA. Look, there's we... going to be a lot of coke out there. If we ever revisit the Tango and Cash world, I don't want tango and cash maybe cameos but i want like i want it to be perrette rise to power 
That would the prequel. <laughs> the prequel. To show exactly where he's coming, you know, his motivations. Sure. And you can have Tango and Cash cameo is like busting his things up once in a while, but mm-hmm. he's the focus. I wonder you get you get a young Quan, a young Lopez to see how they came into the rank. like were they all like chums together and then they decided like, to do this business or I wanna know what his fascination is with mice. Did he see the secret of Nim and just think, Man, that's what I'm into. I'm all in on mice. Yeah, like what? There's no explanation for it. It's just he just likes holding mice and almost kissing them. Like the look he gives the mice is the look that Tango and Cash give each other at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. If only he could high-five them. He, I'm sure with all that cocaine money, he's working on a program to do it. He's got a, a room of mirrors. He can do anything. It is Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Cash and Tango. These two cops are driving me crazy. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing David Lynch's Dune from 1984. This feels like it's going to be a pretty big episode as it's been one in the works for quite some time. Twin Peaks will be coming back around that time, so why not do our first Lynch on the show? Coming to join us will be Jim Dietz from HHWLOD, as uh, you guys remember. Some have referred to as the Haunted Robot. He's a massive fan of Dune, the movie. Be sure not to skip this as I think it's going to be a pretty full episode. And we'll also tell you about uh, our, our June, which will include our 50th episode. Be sure to listen to the whole one next time. Uh, once again, as is the top, as on the bottom of the show, thank you for downloading, streaming, commenting, sharing, listening, whatever you do in the name of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, aside from murder and crime and anything bad. Uh, we look forward to next week. But first, stay tuned for the trailer for David Lynch's Dune, the trailer that actually trails. No. The most widely read, talked about, and cherished masterpiece of a generation comes to the screen. Dino De Laurentiis presents Dune. I see two great houses feuding. A world where the unexpected. Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown. And the unbelievable meet. Where kingdoms are built on earth that moves. And skies are filled with fire. Where warriors fight with a thought. And kill with a word. A world that holds creation's greatest treasure. He who controls the spice controls the universe. And greatest terrors. A world where the mighty. The mad. All I can see is an Atreides that I want to kill. And the magical. The sleeper has awakened! Will have their final battle. A world called Dune. Long live the fighters! We will kill until no Harkonnen breathes Arakeen air. Dune, a world beyond your experience, beyond your imagination. listening to cult cinema cavalcade you can find more of cullen's work on the creative zombie studios network and on twitter at my name is cullen you can find more of brandon's work at whysoblue.com and on twitter at bt peters podcast produced by brad shoemaker edited by brandon 
Narration by Becky. Theme song, Pink Baby, by Happy Elf, found on the freemusicarchive.org network. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio, and no infringement is intended. Please remember to leave us an iTunes rating and review. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. He just can't accept it as a number two cop. And all right, it's just very hard for him. <laughs> Dream on, Bullwinkle. Look, you got your version. I got the truth. Mm. Why don't you just admit it that you guys work well together? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no matter what you say, Ray, I've at least earned the right to date your sister. <laughs> Over my dead body. Deal? <laughs> <laughs>